Three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 356. That's a lot of episodes. Uh, I, I'm not kidding. Two minutes ago, I hung up uh, with Keaton Slovis. We, we had a really long conversation. I don't think he needs much introduction. He's the quarterback at USC. He's literally my favorite quarterback in college football. I, I love Keaton Slovis a lot. He's not only a great person, he's a great quarterback. And we talk all about all kinds of stuff. Uh, so I really, that's the whole intro. I don't have a lot more to say, but without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Keaton Slovis. Joining me now is uh, my favorite college football player. I, I would even go out and say that. I've really, I'm a huge fan. Keaton Slovis, USC quarterback. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Big fan of the show, obviously. So it's good to be on. <laughs> that's a, it means a lot to hear that. I got I actually got goosebumps as you said that. That's so cool. Um, I want to ask you to start three very simple, easy softball questions. We'll get into football. I love your game, but I think to start, uh, is that okay? Can we start with simple, very easy stuff? Oh yeah, definitely. So you're in Southern California. Uh, you're uh, you know you're in LA, the area. What's your order in and out? I'm really curious. In and out. Oh man, I go with a three by three. Um, so that's three patties, I think. And then I don't like. Uh, sometimes I do, but not usually. I get no onions or tomatoes, but that's my okay. Um, okay. They have and now it's my one of my favorite spots. So that's are you an animal fries guy? Not animal fries guy. I've had them before. They're not bad, but just not my thing. I'd rather rather. Have you ever had them with a fork? The fork is easier. Yeah, yeah, like the, the hands is too much. But again, that's that's a little too <laughs> much. Like I think going in and out is is a lot of fast food in itself, and that kind of puts a lot of you know, you know, whenever you eat fast food, you kind of feel that. Kind oh, of yeah. feeling after animal yeah. fries kind of makes that twice as bad. So I try <laughs> to stay away from those. Absolutely. Uh, so the next one, you can pick a side or you can say both because I'm, I'm both, but I lean cats. Are you a cats or dogs guy? Uh, definitely a dogs guy. I had two dogs. Really? Don't, never had any cats. Don't, don't have any animosity towards cats. My mom actually just got a cat after I left the house, but um, definitely have to, have to be a dog guy. You've just never been introduced to the wonderful nature of cats. You never lived with them. I get, yeah, that's definitely, that's probably <laughs> uh, the final question. It's raining outside, like really hard where I live. I lived in the Northwest most of my life, lived in LA briefly, but you grew up in Arizona and I, I've always, I have friends, my friend's actually in Arizona right now. It's the, the heat there has always been daunting to me. I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I could do that. What was that like growing up there? Um, I think it's a, a, a pretty good place to grow up. Um, people, people, I think overestimate the heat there. I don't think it's that bad. Um, and I was talking to – we actually just threw some of the guys right now, um, got back, and it's pretty warm day. It's like 85 and sunny. But I think, like, the difference between L.A. and, and Arizona is, like, the sun here is – it's actually not that different, I don't think. Like, I think the sun here, when it's shining, it's, like, a lot hotter. It's kind of like you're mm-hmm. underneath the heat lamp. Yeah. In Arizona, it's not really the sun. It feels like you're in an oven kind of. So it's just the air that radiates, the dry air kind of, kind of simmers. It doesn't really get cool at night, in the summer at least. But, again, I think, like – for for playing football and playing sports, I think it's a you know great climate to grow up in. You know, weather's nice nine times out of the year, and even the summer, um, you have pretty solid weather. So good good quarterback weather for sure. I think we've we've had a lot of quarterbacks come out of my area in the past yeah. few years. So when I was a kid, I played catching the mud with my brother almost every day because I was like, dude, we live in the Northwest. If you're gonna play, you got to be able to throw in the rain. Right. And I would have given anything for sun like every day. Yeah, no, I definitely took it for granted because like. My, both my parents from the Midwest, and that's kind of why they came out to Arizona, or at least my dad. Um, he was like, gray skies, gloomy days, not my thing. I love the sun. <laughs> so he moved to Arizona as soon as he could. So he every day it's no cloud in the sky. I always took it for granted, and he kind of reminded me, you know, it's not like this everywhere else. So that's yeah. a nice place to be. Let's jump to football. Uh, I, I think it's really cool. You were coached by Kurt Warner, a, a former NFL Hall of Fame quarterback in high school. Tell me about that. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty surreal to kind of when you put it that way. Um, Kurt's Kurt's kids and his family moved into the area. His kids went to my school growing up. He had uh, two kids that were, or I guess three kids. He had a daughter that was my age and a son that was two years mm-hmm. old than me and a son that's, I think, three years younger, maybe four years younger than me, maybe two, three years, somewhere somewhere in the means of that. Uh, he plays quarterback. The older one plays receiver. He just transferred from Nebraska, actually. But um, great family, and, you know, you know, with them playing football, um, I got to spend a lot of time with Kurt, not only like, you know, practice, but, um, you know, when, when 
Kate wanted someone to throw to him, you know, I'd go to the house and we'd go throw, we'd go to the field and go throw. But um, like you said, you know, to be able to learn from a Hall of Fame quarterback from, you know, at the age of 14 to really 18, I think was huge for me. I think I learned a lot of things that most quarterbacks don't get to learn. Um, I think our offense kind of, you know, exposed me to, to some, you know, NFL style offenses at a young age, which was great and kind of gave me a lot of, uh, a lot of things to learn. But also like, I, I think that was like the, the best thing that could have been done to me because I think at a young age, Kirk kind of said like, I'm going to throw a lot at you. But I was like, you know, throw as much as you can at me because yeah. it's better for me to do that now and learn now and not be overwhelmed in the future. What kind of stuff did he throw at you football-wise that you were like, man, this is a lot, but it, it made you grow? Um, I think just like understanding protections um, from a younger age. Um, we didn't have the best supporting cast around me. <laughs> um, so I think a lot of it, you know, we weren't like these some of these Southern California teams where we just show up and beat people. Like we had to outscheme people. So every week we were putting in new, new, more, ton of plays. You know, and yeah. the installs. Um, you know, going to watch film, and I had to really understand what defense we were getting at. And I think that's something most high school quarterbacks don't really have to do because they have the luxury of playing with a good team. They can kind of do the same thing every week, week in and week yeah. out. And we, I feel like, um, you know, had. Again, it might have not been seen as a luxury at the time for our team, but for me, it was a great experience to kind of go out and, and do a bunch of different things and have different stuff week to week. And not to mention, you know, um, during the game plan, you know, Kurtz, Kurtz works for NFL Network, so he's pulling up film from the NFL, <laughs> and he's like, oh, the Saints did this, you know, the Chiefs are doing this, the Rams are doing this, like, let's run this. Like, see this play here? Yeah. That's exactly the release I want to take. So there'll be times I'm sitting in class, and he sent me NFL cut-ups, of stuff we're going to do that week. And I always thought that was the coolest thing ever. I think a lot of people don't understand the power of limitations. They think, oh, give me two, six, five wide receivers, the best offensive line ever. But then you don't have to grow. Like if you throw an interception, it's meaningless because the next play can launch it deep to another guy. Does that make sense? You, yeah. Everything you do matters more when you have to outsmart somebody rather than just use sheer power and beat them that way. Exactly. And there's like a lot of small things that, you know, people don't see on a day-to-day basis. Like, you know, we're throwing, we're playing catch at practice, and Kurt's kind of telling me like, "Hey, you can't, you can't throw it as hard as you can because that's too hard for some of these guys." So you have to, he taught me that like, you know, you got to put touch on it sometimes. Yeah. You got to do this. Um, you got to be perfect with your feet because if you're not, like, you're not going to have room to step up all the time. You have a dirty pocket. So I remember there was one play. We were playing Suaro High School. It was one of the better high schools in my, you know, my area in the state of Arizona, probably. And uh, we're going to half. We're trying to make it a game. We're down 28 to seven. And I, I think, you know, I messed up the protection. So they brought a sixth guy. I missed it, but like I made a miss and I ran in for like a 20 yard scramble for a touchdown and everyone's excited. Cause we're back in the game. You know, we made it close before halftime and Kurt's like pissed at me on the sideline because he's like, you screwed up the protection and everyone is excited <laughs> except for me and Kurt, because we know that I kind of messed it up and he's like, you can't mass produce that. So that's the kind of stuff, the kind of atmosphere I, I grew up or, you know, grew up playing in, and I think uh, that kind of helped me for the best. Get high expectations of you. That's so cool. I've never heard someone say you can't mass produce that. I've heard people say you get away with that, but mass produce, that's an, a new one for me. That's probably a Graham Harrell saying. I just kind of translated into that mm. situation. He always says that. He'll say, um, you know, someone make a scramble or something. He likes scrambles, but he'll say, you know, if you didn't go through your reads or do things correctly, he'll be like, well, we, I can't mass produce that. So you got to do things by the book. That's awesome. I I would I was gonna wait, but you mentioned Graham. What's your guys' relationship like? I mean, that's you seem like you get along really, really well. Is that true? Yeah, Graham's awesome. Um, pretty young guy. Um, honestly, my I have two way older brothers. Um, my oldest brother's turning shoot thirty two this summer, mm. and Graham's like thirty five. So like <laughs> me, Graham's like a big brother to me, and that sounds weird because he's thirty five and I'm only twenty. But like my brothers are a lot older than me, so I'm kind of used to people around his age. Um, but again, he's a lot of fun. Um, we have a lot of fun in the quarterback room. Um, he brings over that area philosophy and again, couldn't be more different than what I did in high school, but I think having that foundation really helped me going in here. Um, and again, like you just have to believe in the system that you're playing in and it's going to work out for you. How much does it help to have a guy like Graham who, you know, played at Texas tech, played a little bit in the NFL. He's been in your situation before. I would imagine you guys relate to each other a lot, like really, really well. Yeah, I think uh, he has a lot of great experiences that people don't realize. Like he was on those Packers teams that went to the Super Bowl and won one. Um, he you know backed up Aaron Rodgers for for three four years. So um, I think to have that experience is is pretty pretty you know remarkable. And 
Um, you know, again, he came from an air raid tree, but it kind of allowed him to see the NFL stuff um, or what was being done at the NFL level and kind of taking bits and pieces of what he liked from it and translate it to what he does in offense. And again, like you said, learning or being at Tech for five years, I think, and playing under Mike Leach, um, you know, gave him a lot of, you know, awareness and, and opportunity there. And again, he coached under Leach, too, at Washington State for a bit, too. So he had a lot of uh, a lot of time with him. I want to go back to Kurt, if I may. Um, what what did Kurt Warner teach you about leadership that you use today and that helped you as a football player? Um, I, honestly, probably not as much as you think. I think that's something mm. most most coaches kind of um, – it's hard to teach, I think. I think in a way like – but there would be opportunities where, you know, Kurt would be like, all right, go get your guys. And I think that's kind of the beauty of it too is everyone leads differently. And yeah. I don't think you really – tell someone how to lead in a way, but you know, there's certain instances where he'd probably give me a nudge and be like, Hey, go do this. Or, you know, Hey, your guys need you or Hey, go talk to them because they need it, you know, or go talk to this teammate because they just messed up and they need to hear from you. Um, I think that's kind of stuff that he probably taught me, but um, I don't think there was anything, you know, anything that I had to take notes on or anything like that, but just the experiences of, of playing with guys and, and him nudging me in the right direction, probably the most. I'm really curious, you know, if someone ran the wrong route, how do you handle that? How, like, how, what's your philosophy? You know, you love Amon Ross St. Brown. He runs the wrong route. Like, hey, man, that's got to be better. How do you handle that kind of scenario? Yeah, I think it depends on the kid, you know, uh, especially like in college. You know, those guys are motivated in itself. Like, they they know they messed up. They know that they're going to want to, um, you know, they're already mad enough at themselves, I think. You know, yeah. so it, it kind of does, you know, again, sometimes I think if guys are not in the, you can kind of tell if they're not into it or they're out of it. You know, then you might want to get on them a little bit. But I think for the most part, kind of getting them back in and getting them to remember, like, hey, we got a whole game. You can't let that happen yeah. uh, and turn into more mistakes. I think a big example, actually, bring up Amon Ra, UCLA game. He dropped a pass that kind of bounced right off his hands, and he's pissed, and he's kind of like, I can kind of see him lose it. And I kind of got him, like, right away and, like, hey, like, we got a game to win. Like, you can't sit here and pout yeah. and, and, and make it turn into another bad mistake. Like, okay, it happened, it sucks, like, whatever, we got to move on from it. So I think that's kind of stuff. You got to read the situation as it comes. I don't – I want to ask you a question, and I'm not trying to stir the pot. I'm just curious. Is it true that you didn't have an offer from University of Arizona or Arizona State? I think your only offer in Arizona was Northern Arizona. And to be a local kid, that would that's – a, that's a slight, man. That would hurt me. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I uh, – I didn't, and I didn't even get the Arizona, Northern Arizona offer until after like NC State came and offered me. And I remember mm. getting that one. I was like, really? Like it took a power five school to come in. Like you guys couldn't be the first. So um, I did talk to Arizona State a little bit. They were going to offer me, they pretty much offered me after um, USC or after I was committed to USC or that USC offered me. Yeah. But again, to me, like they, they, they were definitely late on the boat and same with Arizona. Arizona never did offer me. So um, I think that was kind of the, the definitely put a little bit of a chip on my shoulder growing up um, or being in high school. And again, we had a lot of kids in the area around me that were also going to power five schools and playing quarterback. And I was kind of like, well, they're getting offers. Like, why am I not getting the offer? But yeah. um, again, I got the USC one. I was like, all right, I'll just, um, you know, not, this is where I want to go to school. It doesn't really matter. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll prove them wrong from, from afar. Is there, when you look back on high school football, is there a memory you're like, man, that's like, for example, I beat uh, Max Brown's old high school in double overtime after being down 21 to three at halftime, that's like my favorite memory ever in high school football. Do you have a moment like that? where like, I have this memory that just really means a lot to me. Definitely. And if any of my guys from high school are watching this, they'll know exactly what I'm going to talk about. Um, <laughs> so we had big rival in Scottsdale. Um, I went to Desmond high school again, historically we had some good players come in, but we've only beat our main rival Chaparral high school, like three times ever. And mm -hmm. one of them was my year. Yeah. Um, we were down is my first varsity start ever my junior year um, at home stands are packed. Like it's the big game in Scottsdale. Um, no one knows who I am. No one knows like this Desmond, my whole team was pretty young, honestly. So we come out there and we're playing scared and we're down 20 to zero at halftime. And I'm like, man, this is like not how you want it to go. This is like the game. I've again, I watched Desmond in high school grow up. I watched Kyle Allen and Mark Andrews play at my school and beat Chaparral themselves. Um, so like my dream is to go out and beat Chaparral and this is how it's coming out. And I remember coming out at halftime and be like, Hey, like get your mind right. We're going to come back and win. But like, even in my mind, I was like, there's no chance we're going to come back and win. Like we're down 20 <laughs> against Chaparral and we have no answers. We come out, we have like a bit of a drive. It's like fourth and eight. And I like kind of pull the scramble out and chuck the ball in the end zone and get killed. And we score somehow. 
And uh, after that, I was like, all right, we got a chance. And we actually came back. It was a crazy game. We came back and made it 20, um, 27 to 20, I think. But I'm trying to think. We were down basically a touchdown with like 50 seconds left. Yeah. We're on a touchdown with 50 seconds left. We just need a touchdown to win the game. Um, we marched down the field. We get to like the 40-yard line, and Kurt kind of says there's like 10 seconds left. Kurt's like, hey, you got to get in the end zone. I throw a jump ball in the end zone to our best receiver. They kind of fight for it. The DB wins, takes it, pick six. And one of their players is coming up to talk trash to me, and I'm like kind of like, there's no way it's over. And I look over, and I'm like, hey, it's not over. And he's like, what? And I was kind of just looking for anything to kind of like help me out yeah. of the situation. I look over, there's a flag on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what is it? And they were like, I was like, are we going to get another chance? And they said, yeah, it's roughing the passer. You can get one untimed down from the 15-yard line. So zero on the clock, one play from the 50-yard line, touchdown or not, like, or lose the game. Uh, and we ran, like, this double post concept, blocked it up beautifully, stepped up in the pocket, and we won the game. And that was, like, everyone storming the field, and it's against our big rival, and it was uh, – that, that I said we've only beat them three times ever. One of the old coaches came back and said that we've only beat them three times ever and that all three of the times was on the last play of the game. So that was kind of like we were the little brother in the rivalry and we yeah. came and had that, that big win. That was definitely a memory I'll, I'll never forget. Well, that's your first ever varsity start too, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely went. <laughs> didn't start out to plan, but definitely uh, couldn't have dreamt it up better. I got a story like that, if I may. I'll be brief. Uh, my first varsity start came against another, our, our big rival. And I had the game-winning touchdown, I thought, with like 15 seconds left. I'm like, oh, bro, I'm killing it. First ever varsity start, fourth quarter comeback. Like, I'm so proud of myself. And we kick it off. We squib it. We get a giant penalty. Long story short, they end up kicking a field goal with like three seconds left. We block the field goal. They pick it up and run for a touchdown, and we lose the game. And not only that, we were on not top 10 for like three months. We beat the butt fumble. Like Mark Sanchez's butt fumble got beat out by our stupid loss. So I was like, ah, like I could have been the fourth quarter comeback and said became this national story. And I was like, that's terrible. First, I was like, what a way to start, man. I don't know. It killed me. (laughs) Um, How about, so you decided to go to USC. I know there's a story here. I don't know what it is yet, but at some point, you, you got the offer, and you're like, okay, USC's where I'm going. What was that process like, and how did you feel when you're like, man, I'm, I just got big news today. I'm, 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 moving, I'm making a giant move. When I got that news, I was really excited. And when I made the decision, I'm like, this is really cool. What was that like for you, deciding to go to USC? Um, it all happened kind of fast. Um, again, I didn't start until my junior year. Um, we had a three-year starter ahead of me. So yeah. um, I thought I was probably good enough to start at most schools as a sophomore, but I kind of just waited my turn. I thought it would be a good place to play. I never thought, because of that, though, I never thought I'd get the opportunity to play at a USC or any power five school. Yeah. I thought I'd have to probably go to a smaller school and kind of earn my way there. I thought it was good enough. Don't get me wrong, but I just didn't think, like, they recruited kids who just didn't start till their junior year. Yeah. Um, so my junior year in the spring, I think Hawaii offered me before, like, they come to watch out practices, and then some other, uh, a bunch of other smaller schools came out to offer me. And, uh, again, the smaller schools kind of, gain momentum in a way, but I never, again, I was kind of like, okay, this is what I expected to happen. Yeah. I'd play in a Mountain West level school because of my recruitment. And then uh, finally some, some bigger schools started flirting with me. But again, I, it wasn't ASU or U of A, which I, who I thought it would be. It was, uh, it was really NC State. Elijah Drinkwitz, mm. who's now Mizzou, was, was the guy who, who finally offered me um, at, at NC State. And then once NC State offered, I was like, okay, maybe I have a chance at, at the school as I kind of wanted to go to or thought I was good enough to go to. So um, they offered me, and I think like Oregon State offered me, and I'm stuff's picking up steam. And then the USC coach said they're going to be at practice and kind of messaged me. But other schools were at practice, so I didn't think anything of it. I even remember saying to my dad, like, hey, like USC's coming to practice. Like, that would be so cool if they offered me. Like, if USC offers me, I'm going to get so many other offers. And my dad's kind of like, well, if USC offers you, like, what else are you waiting for? And at the time, I was like, <laughs> yeah, like, I kind of agree with you. But, again, I didn't really think it was going to happen because that was kind of my thought process at the time. I wish it wasn't that way, but that's kind of how it worked. Um, USC came to practice. And, again, these other schools, even NC State, they took, like, two, three weeks after their, like, their, them watching practice to offer me. Um, Brian Ellis, quarterback coach at the time, came to watch me called me out of like second period class and was like, Hey, can you call me at lunch? And I was like, yeah. 
are you serious about USC? I was like, yeah. Um, offered me the same day at lunch at school because wow. we have morning practice. Um, so like, so to me, I was like, dang, like they, they're serious about me. They're not like playing any games. I think that was the biggest thing for me. Like at that moment, I kind of knew like, okay, this is where I want to go. Like what, there's no other reason to wait for, um, a school like this. So we took an unofficial visit that weekend, um, and committed. So like, that was the craziest, like fast, fast paced, like recruiting story. But like, that's how it worked out for me. Um, again, I was looking back, I was like, I probably should have waited a little bit and got some other offers for security no, reasons, but I don't think so, man. Me. So I, I think I, when I, you, I when you get an opportunity it. like that, you got to jump on it. I think yeah. that there's, I mean, I, I look at the NFL draft and we saw Minnesota wanted a quarterback. They waited and they didn't get Justin Fields like they wanted. I mean, there's so many examples right. where if you wait in life, you may not get that thing you really want. Right. That's why I told myself it worked out. I'm glad it worked out. But that, that was the only thing I remember like going towards closer sign day. I was like, huh, like they could pull my scholarship at any time if they wanted to. Like, I was always in the back of my mind, but I was like, oh, yeah. they're not going to. They're, they're obviously sold because um, they offered me that one day. But um, that was that was the only only thing I'd caveat, I'd say, for um, if I were to do it again. That was the only thing I was thinking about was like have some security. But again, like you said, it worked. I jumped on it. It, it worked out for the best. So, Well, I think I, I want anybody listening might, if there's anyone going like, is that a lack of confidence? I, I, it's not true. It's you are protecting yourself. It's hard when anybody has control over your destiny and there you're like, I don't, I, I think it's going to work. Like, for example, I'm moving right now and I haven't put down my security deposit yet, but I got a yes from the manager. And I'm like, they still could say no until the money's paid and I get the keys. I don't trust it. Right. That's a real thing. It's not lack of confidence. It's just like, I don't know. There really is that feeling. I think the coaches, the coaches are great. You know, by the time I thought the coaches were great, but like, you never you hear all these stories about kids getting pulled off yeah. on signing day. So I think oh, yeah. that was what was kind of back on. I was like, man, I hope I'm good. Luckily, uh, it was good. The guys here are great, and uh, they honored everything. And not that they wouldn't, like they wanted me to come here. But yeah. you always hear stories like that. So I think that was the only thing I was worried about throughout the whole process. Well, recruiting's crazy too. You hear so much stuff. Like every coach loves you. Every coach thinks you're the next, you know, starter for their team, and you, they all are selling something. Exactly. And you're like, ah, it's okay to be skeptical there. Right. Um, I want to say, man, last year, I don't know if it's my favorite college football moment from last year, but it's, it either is or it's pretty close. It's definitely my favorite USC moment. You guys beat Arizona State last year. Uh, and here, here's the situation. Uh, minute 26 left, you're down 27 to 21. Fourth and nine. And you throw the game-winning pass to Drake London. Tell me about that moment. Because I, I watching at home was like, yeah, hell yeah. Like, I don't really yell, but I was going off. I was so happy when that happened. Tell me about that moment from your perspective. Man, that was, so that was like, that was probably the most frustrating game ever up until <laughs> that point. Because yeah. if you look at the box score, we had like 400, 500 yards of total offense, but we had four turnovers. We kept marching the field, down, the ball down to like the 20 and then coughing it up or throwing a pick or something bad would happen. Uh, we yeah. went forward on fourth like two or three times. So like if you look at it, we really had like six turnovers, um, and it was it was brutal because we were like we're killing them, but at the same time we only put up 14 points. Um, luckily we got a late drive, but even then I'm kind of like I don't know if there's enough time left. We get the, we get stopped, we get the ball back. Um, we had some great runs down the stretch, but then we find ourselves in the fourth and eight, fourth and nine, um, and in that situation um, we called like my favorite play ever which we actually ran like three or four times up until that point in the last couple drives. Um, and basically the play, um, I'll go into a little bit. The play is, if it's too high, kind of look, you have to read the seam and then you read it curl flat. If it's one high look, you'll read like the bang eight post. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how it works. But, you know, if the safety on the seam side, you know, overplays the curl, you can kind of throw it like I did in the, in the final, you know, play. But the whole day, or once earlier, he didn't cover it. But then the rest of the day, they're kind of sitting on it and running in their quarters. And, uh, you know, so I'm kind of, like, thinking they're going to sit on it. I'm going to throw the curl. But, like, that's fine. That's 10 yards. That's all we need. Yeah, yeah. And the kid kind of stepped out just a hair, just enough for me to be like, I'm pulling the trigger. And Drake made a heck of a catch. Like, looking back at it, probably one of the more underrated catches all year um, because he – that kid was fighting for it on the way down and he, he has those big, strong hands. So he made a hell of a catch. And, uh, you know, actually looking back on the film, I think they were trying to cover it. Like, I think they were in, I think he yeah. played a little overplayed it a little bit too much, but, um, probably wasn't ideal, but again, it worked, worked for us. And that, that score was the most relieving feeling ever on, on fourth down. 
that's an NFL throw, man. And I don't I don't want to talk too much about the NFL, but I, I was like, that's that's a high that's a big time throw. You're aware of that, right? That's a really, really good throw. No, yeah, I, it was it was pretty tight. <laughs> that's one of those throws where you're happy uh you're happy you made it, it was good, but then you kinda looking back on film, you're like, uh, eh, but that's one Graham kinda says, Hey, if you can make it, go make it and luckily yeah. we did. So uh, it worked out for us. I'm curious, and I don't. I, you can answer this however you want. It's kind of two parts. Is you know, do you get nervous, and then how do you handle that? I, I, I I'm weird. I don't get nervous very often. Uh, my fiance gets nervous all the time, and I, I, I'm just curious. For me, whenever I did get nervous back in the day, I would, I just acknowledge it. I say, okay, I'm nervous, and I go, and then it went away because once I acknowledged it, it helped. How do you handle that? Do you get nervous? How do you, how do you handle nerves if you do? Yeah, I think I get nervous before the game. Like, I get very nervous mm-hmm. before the game. Even, like, in, like in the bus ride to the game, Yeah, that's, like, probably my peak nervousness. Uh, <laughs> but once I start working out on the field and warming up, I find it feel a lot better. Um, again, in, even leading up to the first snap, you're always, like, a little – you got the butterflies. You're always yeah. excited to play. But it's more more excitement at that point. And even, like, people are that, like, I, oh, in the fourth quarter, like, are you nervous? Or you have a drive to win the game. Are you nervous? Like, I always kind of love those moments because – you know, no one expects you to go win and go score. So it's like, all right, let's go. Let's go prove them wrong. And I think, like I said earlier, playing in high school, <laughs> I had a lot of those situations. So luckily I've had a lot of chances to go do that. And I always kind of felt it kind of, you know, kind of fun because, you know, again, it's not fun because you might lose, but I think it's kind of fun because all these people think like, oh, they're they're counting you out and you got to go prove yeah. them wrong. I, I watched you and I, it sounds like I am accurate in this assessment. Is you're the kind of guy who's like, I want the ball in the fourth quarter. Like, I, I want. Give me that opportunity, man. I'll make the most of it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I feel, I feel pretty comfortable when it's uh, when you get. If you were to give me a drive to win the game, I'd much rather have the opportunity than giving them a drive or having our defense make a stop. Not, not, not hats off. Like our defense is great. Love our yeah. defense, but I'd rather be in control of it in that sense. For sure. Um, are you the kind of guy? You know. I don't know where I'm going to go with this, but I, for me, I always feel like it doesn't help. Like getting nervous is, is not valuable. So like if I'm in the, in a moment where a great example, I was late for work. I was working for ESPN the other day and I left like five minutes too late. I'm like, I got to just go. I can't worry about this. I got to drive fast and get there. And I, I'm like, well, being nervous or scared doesn't help. All I can do is whatever I can do to get there on time. I would imagine a fourth quarter situation for you is the same way. We're like, I, it doesn't matter how I feel. I need to just get it done. Is that true? Yeah, I think, I think at the same time too. Like as a quarterback, like you don't have, you can't be nervous because if you're nervous, no. then the guys around you are gonna gonna yep. recognize that. And I think as a leader, um, like <laughs> again, you're in trouble if if that that happens because they're uh, you know the guys see you kind of kind of turn that corner. You have to be the guy that's kind of more confident than anyone on the field that you're yeah. gonna go out and score and, and almost like it's a fact. Like, hey, we're gonna go score a touchdown here. Um, if you have that confidence, the guys around you kind of feel it. And I think that's, you know, we have a bunch of, you know, late comebacks this past season. I think that's kind of the mentality we had. Even the UCLA game, we were down like 20 points at one point. Um, and probably most people were thinking, man, USC is going to lose this game. And, you know, our offense is thinking, no, we're good. We're going to score every time we get the ball. Um, and, you know, we did do that at times. So, again, it's kind of having that confidence. Again, I think for us going forward, it's just having that confidence every time we go on the field, not yeah. just when we're behind or behind the eight ball. Have you ever heard the saying that who you are leaks out? Like, basically, you can't hide. If someone doesn't like you, they can say the right stuff to be like, oh, but if their body language, who they are leaks out. If they don't like you, you can tell, even if you can't tell why. Right. If you're confident in that moment, it leaks out of you. And I, I, you are that kind of guy. It's really cool to see that. But I, I've never heard that. But when I, my dad told me that a long time ago, I'm like, oh. And once you, for me, that just really helped me. Like, okay, no matter what I am, if I'm, the best I can be and I'm nice and whatever, that'll leak out of me too. It gave me a lot of confidence that way where um, – have you ever heard that at all? Uh, a variation of that, yeah. I'm not sure exactly what the saying is, but it's kind of like, you know, when you get put in a situation adversity, you know, your true colors come out, right? Mm. Some to yeah. that extent. But I think you're 100% right. Um, do you have a favorite away stadium to play at? Uh, yes, I do. Um I mean, I'll give a, I'll give Pac-12 Stadium too, but I think at Notre Dame and South Bend mm. um, was was surreal. And again, like USC fans don't get mad at me because I'm not saying it's like the greatest place ever. I love playing at home. Um, I just love like playing in that rivalry, playing in a stadium with ninety thousand fans. You know, they're coming out to the bus, flipping us off, and we walk it like driving. To the- <laughs> they're yeah. you. They're going out of their way to like. 
talk trash to you. Um, you know, I kind of said, someone asked me about this the other day, and I was like, when you run out of that stadium, like when you're at any stadium, they boo you, right? But yeah. that stadium, when you run out with your Trojan on your head and you're wearing you're wearing Cardinal and gold, they boo you. It's a different, it's a hatred. <laughs> you feel it. Yeah. And man, I don't know what it was, but, and we only put, I only played there once. We'll go back there this year, but um, that like, that fired me up. I was like so excited and it was so cool. It's on, baby. It awesome. Yeah. And then Pac-12, well, I was hurt for the UW game. That was like that was a cool stadium, great atmosphere. But like the game I played in, uh, the Colorado game was really fun. I don't know why. I just thought it was like cold night game in Boulder, um, and they 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 came out for our game. So that was a, a cool place to play too. Um, with the I don't know that something about that stadium I saw growing up. So I was like, it'd be cool to play there one day. So I think that was like another fun one. Dude, Boulder's awesome. Actually, it's weird. I live in Washington, but I, the only stadium I haven't been to in the Pac-12 is University of Washington Husky Stadium. I don't know. I can't tell you why. But I've been to every other one except for that one. I'm like, ah, I'm a failure. Yeah, that's a good spot. Again, I was I had a concussion, so I was kind of just observing from the sidelines. So I think that's why, um, you know, I thought I was like, oh, it's a pretty good atmosphere for a game. It's around the lake, but um, yeah, the no, bowler game was really fun to play in and good atmosphere. So I've asked a lot of people this, but I've never had anyone answer this on the record. Um, just not not because it's a bad question, just because I, I talk to people a lot behind the scenes. What's it like playing in an empty stadium? 2020 was a weird year. And I can't imagine playing in a stadium with just dead silence around me. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. I think the whole thing was weird. I don't think people. I think the whole atmosphere surrounding the game was like was more difficult than the stadium itself. Like, hmm. uh, so we we had to cancel the Colorado game this year because of um, contact tracing, um, and COVID cases. It was mostly the contact tracing because if you're around someone who's exposed to COVID, you have to yourself or you have to quarantine for 14 days, which is longer than, you know, sometimes actually having COVID for some of the people. Yeah. So we started doing meetings, position meetings on Zoom. And for people that don't understand, like, that's very difficult. Um, so we were doing, I was doing my quarterback meeting right where I'm sitting right now. I go out to the field, I go in the locker room, you know, masks on, like, you don't, um, you know, some days when you shower in the facility, we'd have to go home and shower. Mm. Um, so I think that stuff, we go to the hotel, you're not allowed to see anyone. You're not, we don't eat together. You have your meals, you go to your room, you don't see anyone until the next day. Then you have like one meeting, two meetings. And then, you know, again, you're back in your room alone. Yeah. And then the first time you're around everyone is in the locker room on game day, like normally. And even then, you know, there's like a certain number. So like most of the walk-ons are in like another locker room somewhere. So the whole th experience was so weird and surreal. And then put on top of it, there's no fans there. And you're supposed to get excited and they pumped to play a game. And, like, you're supposed to feel that adrenaline and there's no one there. Like, it seems like no one cares about it. Obviously, they do. But I think the whole experience was was uh, definitely difficult to play in. But uh, the fans definitely on game days made it kind of weird. It was definitely, you know, again, you, you have to try to get your team excited to play. But, you know, when there's fans out there, some of that kind of gets done for you with the, with the excitement um, factor. So um, it was definitely tough to, to kind of get everyone kind of ready and excited to play in that atmosphere. Is it weird yelling from the sideline where the other team can hear you and hear your adjustments being made? Yeah, that's a weird thing too. Like if there are certain times where like our we want a quick adjustment and our sideline would just yell at me, and like I was like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I <laughs> normally like I wouldn't expect to hear from the sideline because in a normal game they wouldn't even yell because they know I can't hear them. So yeah. there would be times where like, hey, Keaton, and then like I'd be like, okay, but they're like just yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> or they're yelling at the receiver like, hey, get wider or something. So um, it was nice at times, but it was weird too because you could hear the defensive sideline yelling their adjustments. Mm. Um, yeah, it was, it's weird. It's like a, it was like a practice environment almost, like a, like a, like a scrimmage environment. So it was definitely, definitely surreal. Hopefully we'll get back to fans this, this next year. I'm curious, man. When, when I played, I, I viewed quarterbacks like we're statues, we're not athletes. And it wasn't until I got to college, I was like, you know, I, I can't live that way. I have to be able to extend plays and move around. And once I viewed myself as an athlete, not a quarterback, and they're the same thing, they're not separate, it really helped me. You do something so well. You extend, you're not, look, you're not Lamar Jackson. You and I both know that. You're not going to run for, I don't think, for an 80 yard touchdown run. I'd be pretty surprised. But you run really well outside the pocket to the sideline. You can extend plays. I was watching the, I was in the Arizona State game this morning. You had a nice run for like, you extending nothing, nothing, nothing. You ran for like 12 yards. At some point, you had a conversation with yourself. We're like, you know, I, Extending plays has to be part of my game. Can you talk about that decision and that thought process? Um, I think it was always um, 
kind of something I was working towards. You know, I wasn't the best athlete as like a younger kid. I was never like the fast kid or the quick kid. Um, so I, you know, I always had a good arm, but I was never like the most, I never had the best feet or, you know, you know, I was never the quick or fast guy. So, um, <laughs> once I started, you know, getting serious about football and I think I started having, working with my quarterback coach from home in like sixth grade, that was the primary point of like our training was like footwork and movement and, you know, pocket movement, extending plays, everything. And again, it wasn't to run necessarily, but it was more to extend plays in the pocket. And he would kind of, he did a really good job. He worked with Kyle when he was, when Kyle was at my high school, but he did a very good job of kind of explaining. Kyle Allen, right? Yeah. Kyle Allen, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so he would, he would kind of do a great job explaining to me like, Hey, like, there's going to be times you're not going to be in a position to throw, but you're going to have to get yourself in a position to throw for in, you know, 0.1 seconds or as fast as you can. And it might be a tiny little adjustment. Um, or there might be times where you just need to buy half a second and you can't run and you, there's not much place to move. You can take half a step this way or you can move up a little bit. Right. You, yeah. can, you can, you know, duck up under a guy. So there's such a lot of like small nuanced movements in the pocket that, you know, the casual fan probably doesn't realize but that's like I've been working on since I was a little kid because um, that really goes a very long way. And I think, you know, unfortunately, the, the art of the pocket passer is, I don't know if it's dying, but it's going away a little bit. And I always kind of thought it was, you know, I thought it was a very important place to play from because, you know, it gives your, your team the most, most the best chance to play, play um, well consistently if you can operate the pocket well. I'm curious. I was talking to my fiance about you um, this morning, and you're, you're 20 years old, which blows my mind because, from a decision making standpoint, you don't make decisions like a 20 year old. You're certainly, I was not as smart as you when I was 20. And it, it, it's my, you're my favorite player to watch in college football. I'm not kidding because I go, I can't believe he didn't fall for it. I can't believe he, you know, it's sometimes the best throws you make are the ones you don't make where you check it down or you run for five yards. Or I'm like, I'm blown away at your decision making. Where does that come from and how did you get to this point? I appreciate it. I, uh, no, it's, it's all honest, man. You're phenomenal. I, I don't know. Um, I think maybe last year, and I think just moving to like, um, maybe it's who I am as a player in general. Like, um, I've never been kind of the gunslinger that's like, I'm going to fit in that tight window. You know, I might make that throw, but I make that throw from, you know, when it looks more open and then it probably closes a little bit more. You know, there was this one throw against Arizona State last year. Everyone's like, you threw it through three guys. And I was like, well, no, it was, it was cover two. And the safeties were really wide, and it was very open when I threw it. Yeah, it got tight, but it wasn't that close when I threw it. So I always kind of think, um, as a decision, I'm not saying I'm a conservative decision maker, but um, I'm not going to try to force things in a tight window if I don't have to. You know, I'd like to throw it to the open receiver. That's something, you know, Kurt kind of drilled in my head is like, hey, if you can throw a flat for at two yards and he can get five to 10, like throw it 100 times. Like we'll take five yards every play. Yeah. Um, don't force it to that guy because that's a tough throw and a tough catch. So I think that's something that's probably been drilled in my head from a young age, I guess. Well, that's why that Arizona State throw was so – my whole life I got told, you know, you can't go broke taking a profit. But at some point that comes to an end where you have to just grip it and rip it. Right. And, you know, big windows become smaller and small windows go away. But that throw on fourth and nine against Arizona State was like, that's a tiny window. You just – you're like, I, it has to happen. I'm going to make a great throw. So I think that you find that balance so well where, yeah, if you give me five yards, you take it. I've seen you. I've seen you do it every single dang time. I'm like, okay, you're just going to take five yards forever. But then when they, when they take it away, like, okay, I'll throw the whole shot. It's so impressive to me to watch your game. I, if, I'm fired up talking about it because I love watching it, man. It's so fun. No, I appreciate it. And that's the thing I think, especially my freshman year, that I grew from a little bit was like in the air raid – you kind of have to have that gunslinger mentality. And I think that's a good thing to have at times because you got to be the most confident guy in the room. you got to be able to make every throw. But I think at times, even before the season, like in fall camp, I got a little too greedy. Or like I, uh, mm. you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I can make that throw. And I'd throw in a very tight window and it get picked. Or, you know, we'd go three and out. And then I kind of learned from that, like, well, there's a time and a place to make that throw. Or, yeah. you know, if you are confident in it and you, like, know you're going to make it, like, most of the time it's going to work out for you, but if you know it's too, you know, it's tight, it's probably too tight, you know? So that's kind of the thing. If you have confidence in it and you know you're going to complete it, go for it. But if you're kind of thinking back in your head, ah, oh, it's pretty tight, it's probably too tight. Well, it's funny. You, you consider yourself conservative, but I've seen you make throws to Amon Ross and Brown. You're like, I got my guy one-on-one. I'm going to take the shot. I've seen you pull the trigger so many times. 
Uh, and I, I just maybe the thing I'm going to say is, I, again, I, I just am blown away at how well you find that balance between the two. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about um, your, you know, the I guess I don't know how to put this. The was it in high school, maybe playing with less. You didn't have the best talent. You had good people, but not the best talent around you. So you had to learn good habits early. Did that help develop you to where you are now? I think it definitely is like a huge part of of why I am where I am now. Um, and that's a big reason why I went to USC too. Um, you know, I love playing for my high school, but um, especially my, like my senior, we went like three and seven. Um, mm. My junior, we had some success. We went to the playoffs. We were like a nine seed of like 16 teams. So again, we weren't the best team in the world, but we had like a lot of success. And even my senior, we put up a lot of points, but you know, winning three games is tough. Um, and I think that was kind of the thing that, you know, the biggest thing to me is like, I want to play, you know, a school where like, you know, I have guys around me and I can, you know, if I'm doing it, like I don't have the guys around me now and I have to make up for it. And that's, that's great and great learning experience, but I want to be around people. I don't want to be the underdog all the time. I want to win something and I want to, yeah. you know, have great guys around me and get better and, and, and dominate people. So I think that was kind of the thing looking at USC, you know, they have my freshman year, we had four NFL receivers uh, and <laughs> I don't think a lot of places can really say it. maybe Alabama. Um, so like, so that's like a, a thing that's, that kind of stood out to me. And, um, you know, when I first came out there, everyone's kind of saying, oh, like it's a big jump from college to, to, from high school to college. But I'm thinking, man, like it's not that big of a jump. Cause yeah, everyone's better and faster, but like my guys are way better and faster. So um, <laughs> I'll take that chance. I'll take the, I'll take the jump for sure. So if I have these guys on my team. I'm, I don't have a question here, but I remember watching you 18 years old, a, a freshman in college, playing and, and doing very well I don't, I don't i don't have a question but can you talk about that at all maybe what what that was like uh did you feel prepared man i, I really from the jump i was like this dude's this kid's got it I, I remember being very impressed with you your freshman year can you talk about that at all yeah um well it was, it was pretty frustrating at first because you know i i didn't win the job i know it sounds crazy people that thought i thought i was gonna like, win the job but being on the bench is awful it's not fun i don't care who you are nobody right. likes being a backup quarterback and if you do you're probably not who I'd want to hang out with. I don't know. It. Right. And JT's a great quarterback, but you know, yeah. and that, so like the fact that he was starting, like it made sense to me. It wasn't like in the back of my mind, it was like, Oh, like this is, this isn't right. But like, it wasn't I, animosity. Right. It was just at the back of my mind. I was like, Oh, like I think I'm good enough to play. Um, I think it could have played better in fall camp. You know, I could have done like, I was kind of, you know, hitting myself for like, man, like you had a chance and you blew it. And, uh, you know, unfortunately it's due to injury, but you know, I got my chance very early on. Um, and from that chance, like at that point on, it was it was my my opportunity and my my uh, you know my team. And I think that's the thing that's kind of crazy is is kind of like we were saying earlier, like you know fourth quarter, like everyone everyone's kind of kind of expecting to prove like not not expect expecting you to not play well or expecting you you know waiting for you to do something wrong and uh, you know counting you out to an extent. And I think that was kind of the entire year is like everyone like no one knows who I am. Like everyone thinks I'm not deserving of this spot. Like screw these people, let's prove them wrong. And I think... They think you're lucky. And you're like, nah, wait. Right, exactly. They, they think you got a break or something. I'm like, no, I, I think I'm, like, deserved to be here. So that was the, um, you know, and it wasn't ball perfect. You know, there were some games where, and some throws I definitely wish I had back. But as a whole, you know, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. And um, I think that was the greatest feeling ever was just being this under-the-radar kid, under-the-radar recruit for so long. And now you're the quarterback at USC and you have, you know, relative success. Obviously, um, you know, you want to win more games and all that, but um, to have the year that we had um, offensively was, was really, really a blast. You know what I love about that? Uh, so my, my junior year, I got the starting job because the guy got hurt. And I, 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 at the time, people were like, you're lucky. I'm like, no, dude, I was six string two weeks ago. I worked my way to this moment. If you're a backup quarterback at USC as a true freshman, you're not lucky, bro. You, you earned your way to that spot. I, I just, I really, I love that about you. I, okay, I, I want to know, how much film do you watch? Because I, I watch you play, and I'm like, this dude's so well-prepared. Is that true? Like, it seems like, from the outside looking in, you just love football. You love film. You're extremely well-prepared. Is that, is that an accurate assessment of you? Uh, I think so, but to an extent, like, especially in the air raid, uh, there's, you can definitely watch too much film, uh, and I try mm. not to do that because I think you know, our offense is very execution-based. You know, we're not going to out-scheme our opponent. Um, and, again, we'll do stuff week to week. And we'll we'll see stuff, and we're not like we're not gonna not watch film. You know, we're gonna have a good yeah. awareness of what the defense is doing. But there was definitely times my freshman year 
um, where I think I like overread what the defense was doing or, you know, overcomplicated things. And especially in this offense, in this scenario, um, you don't, you don't want to overthink things. You kind of want to play and you want to have an awareness of things. So I think like watching film, uh, you know, on my own can, can help. But I think also like game playing with the coaches is huge because when they call play, you know why they're calling it or what they're looking at, or, you know, listening to certain coaching points on certain plays um, to me was like the biggest thing because um, they're calling that play for a reason. And if you understand why they're calling that play or what they're trying to attack, then you're going to execute that play. But if you just aimlessly watch film and go, oh, the defense is going to run cover six. And like, okay, that's great. But how are you going to complete against cover six or whatever mm-hmm. they're doing? So I think that was the biggest thing is um, was me kind of finding a happy medium of like well, how much to watch, what to watch, what specifically – you know, to take away from coaches and what to watch on my own. I think those are all like very important to, well, to sounds like from each other. Well, it sounds like watching film with purpose is what became really important to you. Not yeah. just aimlessly scrolling through huddle forever, like yeah. hoping That's to find something. I, yeah. hundred percent. Like people don't realize that you watch as much film as you want. Um, but you're, you're, there's a time where there is, I think you can watch too much film. I think that's definitely yeah. it. Uh, I got two questions left. I know we've been going, I think, like a long time now. I appreciate your time. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm curious. So uh, three questions, really. One's very short. Do you love football? Yes. Yes, I love football. So well, why do you love football? Oh, man. That's a, that's a big question. It's hard. I don't know how the hell I would even answer that. But I'm curious. There's a lot what of answers. things I love about football. Mm. Um, I think those things have changed over time. So, like, when I was five or six, like, I just loved throwing a spiral. Like, that was what I loved about football. Dude, isn't it the best feeling? Like, yeah. you just watch it fly, and you're like, ah, beautiful. I was telling my that. girlfriend the other day, I was like, you understand, like, trying to throw a spiral is, like, I could play catch for hours trying to just, like, so I think that's, like, that's, like, it could be as simple as that. Um, I think, like, as further you go along, I think you realize, like, I think to me, like, I, like, I think quarterback is the most amazing, difficult, like, inspiring position in the world like I think in sports like there's nothing like it so I think like to aspire to play that position perfectly or as perfect as possible on a weekly basis um, and to maybe one day have that be your job like to me that's the most amazing thing so I think um, I just love what what playing quarterback means and I, I think I love how that fits into the game of football I think the game of football is also like the most amazing game ever. People are like, Oh, I don't get football. And I like, I get that. Like it's complicated. There's 11 guys. Yeah. In the field. There's people with the, they're hitting each other and you know, you might not understand it, but to me, like it's the ultimate game of strategy. It's the ultimate game of adversity. Um, you're getting hit, you're getting hit with your brothers, you know, you're taking a beating, but you're also like, you're, you're giving a beating to the other team. You have to, you know, work together. Like, again, it, I think it's the most amazing game ever. So I think a combination of those things um, are why I love the game probably. Well, I think what's cool, you have an opportunity, and look, even, I don't think you're going to fail as a player, but even if you fail as a player, you're, you can have football and be involved making money, play, you know, coaching, or ta- you could talk about football for sure, or playing, no matter what you do, right. I guarantee you, Keaton Slovis, you can have football and be around football the rest of your life, which is, that's, sure let so. me tell you, I watch film all day, it's so much fun to be able to say that, I don't even play, I'm not, I'm right. like a loser who sits at home typing crap, and it's so fun. And that's the thing, too, I mean, we had, um, is it Tom Moore? the old uh, OC, like he was out in our, our quarterback room, the, like my freshman year, we have a bunch of old coaches who are, you know, just around because they love it. And I remember asking one of the, I don't know if it was Tom or someone else. And I was like, how's it going coach? And he kind of just responded like, Hey man, like I'm 80 some years old, but I'm still out here because like, why the heck not? Like, I love it. Like what else would I be doing? I'd rather, I wouldn't, I'm 80 years old and I could be retired, but there's nothing else I'd rather do. So uh, I'm not sure exactly who said that. So I wouldn't attribute it to Tom. But um, again, that, that's like that's kind of the mindset that I think most people don't realize that you don't have to be playing to even love football. You can be around it and still have the same love for it forever. Well, dude, I don't I don't see myself ever retiring. Like I, I didn't think I'll be 80. I'm going to talk until they don't let me anymore. Right. And then I'll go coach. Like I just I love it so much. No, I, it's, I uh, it's awesome. Man. I got a question from uh, I put on Patreon. I didn't want to put it out too publicly, but I, two hours ago I put on Patreon. I said, hey. I'm interviewing Keaton Slovis, and I'm, I'm curious if you guys have any questions they would ask you. I got one really good one from a guy named Hunter. I'm going to pull it up. I love. I think you'll like this question. Uh, Hunter wrote in. He said, if I can load it, I got to scroll now. He said, hey, Keaton, just want to let you know you're an inspirational quarterback. Keep it up. My two questions are, which quarterback or quarterbacks, current and former, do you model your playing style after, and which athletes are your biggest role models? Oof. That's a great question. And you can, you can say a lot of – I mean – 
I would throw out Tebow, Brady, Breeze, Manning. Like, there's so many people I was inspired by as a kid. Yeah. Well, okay, this is going to be out of left field, but just because the playoffs, NBA playoffs are around, um, the most inspiring athletes in my time growing up have to be, like, Kurt Warner, because he was a Cardinal, and yeah. Steve Nash, as dumb as that may sound. Um, like, those two guys and the way they're, like, they lead their teams. I know basketball is a completely different sport, but, like, the way they conduct themselves, the way they led their teams, like, and I watched every game they probably played as a Arizona, you know, player. Um, so I think those two were like, you know, who like, you know, who I admired as athletes growing up, <laughs> who I'd model my game after. Whew. Someone asked me this the other day too. I was on a podcast and I was like, you know, Tom's my favorite quarterback, obviously. Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, I got, my family's from Michigan, so I was kind of like ingrained to love Tom. Um, not, not that I wouldn't love Tom if that didn't happen, but like I was taught, like, hey, this is the greatest quarterback ever, and then. He is the greatest quarterback ever, and I grew to love his game. Um, but I don't know if I model I model some aspects of my game around, about around him. I'd say like Andrew Luck um, is definitely a guy I model my game after. Um, Drew Brees is a guy I watch a ton. Um, I'm trying to think too. Well, I, I think if I may, man, the best thing you can do is pull from all kinds of different people. Right. And I think people don't realize, like, I watched Kyle every snap he took in high school. So Kyle Allen is, like, honestly a guy I modeled my game after the way he played in high school and college because I watched a ton of his playing. Again, like, people probably don't think that's coming out of left field. But um, I, I think everyone I've watched at some point, there's certain aspects that I loved or certain plays they made that I was like, man, like, I want to do that. Or, like, you know, there's days on the field where you're like, man, Drew Brees has the prettiest release. You're trying to beat Drew Brees out there throwing the ball. Um, so I – Again, I didn't really answer that perfectly, but I think a little bit of everyone. I don't think there's a perfect answer at all, man. Um, so I, I want to say, man, this, we can end our conversation here, but I, I'm a huge fan of you. I've got tremendous, tremendous confidence in you. Uh, and if, if, you know, quarterbacks play longer now. So 27 years from now, you're going to retire from the NFL. You're 47 years old. Uh, you're always welcome on the show, dude. I, I really I really love what you do, and I, I love the way you, you play, and I love your attitude. And I, I'm seriously like – I. There are people I have no problem calling. I, I just love your game, and I'm a big fan of you. So thank you so much for the time. It means a lot, and uh, I just am rooting for you endlessly, man. No, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And again, to any first-time listeners, uh, I've been watching Zach for a <laughs> while now, and he does his research. He knows his stuff. He's not just saying all this nonsense to get attention. He, he knows his stuff. So um, you're my favorite guy to watch for football stuff, so I appreciate <laughs> being on here. It's, it's That's so meaningful, man. <laughs> thank you so much, man. Uh, all right, guys. Take care.